Hey guys, this is Brian from the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in to this special edition of our show. It's a dude table discussion movie talk about the film The Suicide Squad. Jim and I were both able to watch the movie and we decided to sit down, turn the mics on, have a little chit chat. And of course, that segment ran long, as that always does. And so you're getting a bonus episode. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the film Heavy. Spoilers are coming. And then we're also going to talk about my hatred for HBO Max, the app. And we're also going to talk about Jim's hatred for amateur hour at the local theater. So sit back, strap yourself in, and have some fun. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? I just want to watch my movie. Anytime I can play that clip, I'm going to play it, Jim. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, normally at this time, I would ask you, have you seen any good movies lately? This is true. But I'm not going to do that this time, because this is a movie that we've both watched. Yes. We're going to dive into this, so we might as well just get on with it. We're going to talk about the new movie, The Suicide Squad. That's right. It just came out last weekend. Yeah, it's been out... A week now. At least a full week, Yeah. yeah. You finally got to see it last night. I did. I watched it the other night, and I was like, hopefully we can make this happen by this weekend when we record so we can sit down and actually talk about it. So here we are, and let's do this, Jim. It's spoiler-filled, obviously. You know what? You know, I'm just going to go ahead, just because I like the clip. Spoiler alert. (laughs) If you didn't know by now, when we do these little side tables, that it's heavy, heavy, heavy on spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie The Suicide Squad, the new one, and you don't like spoilers, and you don't like spoilers, and you're listening to this, that's on you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Very sorry, but that's definitely on you. All right, Jim. So let's get into it, man. Yeah. The Suicide Squad, DC, Mm. James Gunn. We got a lot to talk about. A lot. Um, How about we just start at ground zero, man? Initial (laughs) thoughts, go. Uh, There were a lot of things about it that were better than the first. Agreed. It was different than what I was expecting, though. In what regard? I think it's just in the simple fact of, when I think of James Gunn, the movies I think of as Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course. Which is Marvel. Right. Which is um, not family-friendly, but not as gruesome not as gratuitous. Yeah. yeah. Now, however, James Gunn kind of really broke into the movie world with uh, Slither, you know, which was a horror comedy type deal. And so getting to see him flex a little bit in in the superhero genre, but having a little more freedom to go full on with the Suicide Squad element. Right. So I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't mad about it, but right. like it was definitely one of those like... There's just something about it that was different. The movie was different. Just had a different vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I liked it. Overall, I liked it. I, I got to see it in the theater. Okay. I watched it last night, super late. I went to a very late showing. You know, our theaters here in Evansville show place, for the longest time, you had to pre-order your tickets. Okay. And I think they've removed that now. You can get them at the door, but they still recommend you do it online. They or? They suggest that you get them online but the problem that i have with online ordering now especially in a covid era yeah is you can't buy online more than two tickets at a time because of social distancing got you if you try and buy more than two tickets i mean maybe i'm wrong but i know from my experience when i've tried to buy tickets recently it only let you it do will it. only let me buy two tickets at a time yeah because what it does it'll you get two tickets and then two seats on either side are then blocked out for social distancing. So about that. Uh, <laughs> so I was looking and nobody really had booked up a seat. Yeah. And I was like, I may be the only person in the theater. Tonight. Right. And then I saw that like maybe one person had booked one for like the far back. And I get there and there's a guy, I thought he was actually sitting in my seat. 
and he was like already lounged out and everything else. I was like, what the heck? And come to find out, he was like a seat away from me. So we're sharing the same row in the middle of the theater. And like it was just him and me, and I was like, "Well, this is." It, it, it became kind of a slightly awkward moment, right? Especially as the movie progressed, because he ended up falling asleep and like snoring through half of it. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not oh kidding my you. God, I'm not kidding you. So I don't know what was going on. It's I don't kind know of if a he... representation of the movie, if you ask me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get yes. into it. We're talking yes, about so, you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so th- but there was just there was that awkward vibe like so when I came in because I was coming in expecting like all right cool I'm going to sit down and watch this movie we're going to review it tomorrow. Why didn't you just move rows? Was and, there uh, was there a bunch of other people? No, there was other people that came in, but oh. they they sat kind of up behind us, whatever. So oh, I would just moved a row up or something. Yeah, I should have. So there was that, but then also because it was the late showing, it was like the last movie showing. Yeah, you know how a lot of times the theaters they'll have they'll adjust the screen to fit the movie like after their previews and stuff. They didn't do that. <clears throat> so the movie was showing off the screen a little bit. So there was like a border. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, do I be that guy and leave in the yes. middle of the movie yes. and ignore the fact, like, and then miss a part of the movie? Or yes. like, what do I do? And so anyway, I kind of was like, I'm just going to go with it for right now. And then they ended up realizing it and, and adjusting it like before the movie got too far into it. But oh, it was one of good. those like... It was frustrating at the beginning. It was distracting. It was all of that. So all of that to say, I think that might have contributed a little bit into my review that we're going to be going down. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so overall, though, I liked the movie. It was different than what I was expecting. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts, but okay. you kind of had... Because I remember you, you text me, and I was like, we need to talk about this. You didn't see it in the theaters. I did not. We have HBO Max here at the house, and so we watched it here at home. And I made the comment. <laughs> I made the comment. I think it was yesterday, the day before yesterday. I was like, you know, it probably, in my opinion, would have helped it a little bit more if I had seen it in the theater. And my <laughs> wife immediately chimed in, nope, it would not have. <laughs> Your poor wife, she had to watch the first one before you guys went and watched the second one, or this one here, right? Yeah, I told her, I was like, we should really watch the first one, just so you can have some context of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember if she fully hated, like, either way, on the first one. I think she was just whatever with it. But then we watched the second one. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. All right, so your experience with HBO Max was not great. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way right now. HBO Max sucks. The <laughs> app is horrible. Yeah. It is absolutely horrible. I rank HBO Max and Peacock, both apps, way up there on the do not get if you don't have to gotcha. list. Okay. Because it feels like when you're using it, you're operating Windows 95. Okay. okay. It's really hard to navigate in between different categories, different subcategories. And then once you actually have the movie playing, especially if you're like well into the movie, it's hard to fast forward, rewind. So I actually missed, which you didn't even know this, that there's a post credit scene at the end of Suicide Squad. And I couldn't see it because the app screwed up so bad it wouldn't allow me to fast forward to it. Oh, uh, my youngest stepson, Benji, had to tell me what happened in the freaking thing. And, and we'll get to that here in a minute because you didn't see it. I'll tell you what happened here in a little while once okay. we talk more about the film. Sure, but uh, sure. it impacts the movie greatly. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so HBO Max, horrible app. 
Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. So if you have the option, go to the theater. If you have the option to see a movie that's going to be a dual release on HBO Max or the theater, go to the damn theater. Yeah. Because HBO Max app is horrible. Gotcha. Okay. Mental note. Yeah. So with the movie, we've talked about DC before. Yeah. We obviously are Marvel fans. Yeah. Uh, I like some DC stuff. Right. I think we've talked before with the first one. The only redeeming thing, really, with the first one was uh, Harley Quinn. Right. I mean, it was her movie, right? Like, she, she stole the show. She definitely stole the show, yes. Um, in the first obviously, she, she's in this one as well. Yep. Let's talk about your expectations going into the movie, and then your initial thoughts. Well, if you're talking just straight-up expectation, just based on James Gunn being the one in charge of it, I expected that the story would be good. Yeah. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had discussions about comic book movies, and I understand the idea of comic book fatigue and superhero fatigue. I get it. I, I, I'm well aware of that argument. But we've also talked about the fact that even though that these are superhero movies or comic book movies, the story is what's paramount whenever you watch it. And so if you have something that's rooted in comics, but it has a great story that you can translate to your everyday audience, that's a win. Yeah. That's a good thing. It's because it's the best of both worlds. You're being profitable to the general audience, but you're also appealing to the fanboy. Yeah. And that's what you want. This movie appealed solely to fanboys. That's it. I would agree 100%. This, is, this yeah. movie, if you are a fanboy and you're a comic yep. nerd and you're you're all about that lifestyle, yeah. you will love this movie. Oh, absolutely. If you're an everyday moviegoer looking for a great story that's translating to an everyday audience that you can enjoy, but also get a little bit of that comic book edge, you will hate this movie. I, I would agree. I would agree with you on that. I, that's something I was thinking about because there were things about the movie I was like, okay, yeah, I'm digging it. And the other things I was like, no, no, nope. And then I, so afterwards I went and looked it up. The main villain, Starro, yeah. the whole idea of fighting a starfish, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you know. It is what it is. It's cheesy. It, it's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's cheesy. But but just trying to go. Okay. All right. Like this. This is completely stupid. But whatever. So I, I went and looked it up, and because I was like, this has to be a direct reference to a comic. Because I was like, why else would they create this as the character that they yeah. fight? At least in the first one, they had something a little more believable in the in the sense of like you know this demon spawn that they accidentally uncovered. Yeah. 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 And Whereas then, like uh, this. But so I'm like, okay, you're using a starfish, and and the way all of that happened, and I think if you were if you grew up on the comics and you you liked the comic books, you're gonna love that. Yeah. Uh, and I think actually that's what I was seeing with all the reviews is that people were like, oh, they're using Starro, and like you know talking about that. But uh, for me, I was like, what the heck? It's just lame. Yeah. As well as with the story, like you said, I, I that was actually kind of disappointed in some of that. So right. Look, here's the thing. Again, this is the huge difference between Marvel and DC. And you can say what you want about Marvel. I mean, I'm, things have come out here and yawn from different creatives, James Gunn himself, you know, uh, Dave Batista, even talking about different aspects of working for Marvel. And it's a machine. And the reason why it's a machine is because Kevin Feige is basically your taskmaster who keeps it in check. Right. They have an overall universe story that they want to tell. They have an idea in their head of what they're wanting to put out there. And it's structured and it's all moving parts going in the same direction. Whereas with DC... You have like six or seven different creatives going in opposite directions of each yeah, other. Yeah, they're doing their own thing. And they're all doing their own thing, and that's great. 
But they're not playing in the same sandbox. But they're definitely <laughs> not playing in the same sandbox. Yeah. They're doing all completely different things. And when it translates on screen, it's just not good. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're just putting out fanboy stuff if you're at DC. That's it. That's all it is. You know, it's interesting because you're talking about the Marvel and stuff. When James Gunn got fired from Marvel, basically, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, well, this this is exciting because I remember then they, he was talking about doing the Suicide Squad. I was like, I was excited about it because I was like, okay, he gets to go and play over in DC and maybe that's what DC needs. Yeah. And to me, the movie, <laughs> the Suicide Squad, in a lot of ways, just reminded me of a R-rated version of Guardians of the Galaxy, except not as good. No, definitely not as good. Um, and there was some things with, with even the, the character development, even on the front end, that, that just, I, I get the jumping into the stuff, and you're introducing all these characters, but you didn't even have time to get to know these characters before no. you're killing them off. So well, then it's just like, what the hell are you doing? Right. It's funny that you talk about that, because I was thinking about that while we were sitting here. You know, I had this conversation with a friend of the show, Stephen A. Turner, a long time ago, whenever Endgame came out. And yeah. when he first went and saw it, he said, I love it. It's a great movie. All right. And it is. Endgame is fantastic. He yeah. goes, but the problem with it is to your everyday audience, if someone goes and sees it off the street, it's a sequel. And it's it, it picks up as if it's like a 1A, 1B style movie. It's right, not like right. a it's not like a one and then this is a two. Right. You know, because Endgame really does go hand in hand with Infinity War. And I get that to a degree, but the problem with that argument is though. Like, Endgame is the culmination of all of these stories. Right. And so by the time you get to that, if you watch Endgame, you've already watched everything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not not many people are going to go to Endgame just to start watching Endgame. And so when you come to the Suicide Squad here, this one is set up like that. Like, it that immediately throws you into the story. Right. Like that. Like, everyone's already up to speed watching it. Yeah. Whereas if someone just goes to it as an everyday moviegoer to, to watch an action movie or whatever, yeah, they're going to be lost. They're going to be completely lost. Yeah. To a degree, I get that. I, I can see where, you know, well, you more than likely if you're going to see that, you've already seen the first one. And I get that, but that still doesn't help with your writing. Well, well, especially like you got characters like with uh, Michael Rooker. Like he's a character I was, I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, cool. He's in this. And I get it. You kill him off early. Fine. Whatever. Before the opening title sequence. Yeah. But like. That's literally how you open it. It was him in this thing where he kills a finch and like he, you know, it's like, okay, this guy's apparently a badass, but you never even get to see that. He just no. runs off and they blow his head off. So it's like, okay. Yeah. For me already, then I was like, okay, this is weird, but let's see where it goes. Like, you know, and I get what they were doing as far as like, you know, she sends in the team that she feels is the, you know, the one that she can just, you know, kind of kill the, off the expendable and, team that yeah. she can get rid of. But it doesn't make sense from the standpoint of the Harley Quinn character, the Rick Flagg character. Yeah. Mainstays that helped out in the beginning, the very first installment of Suicide Squad. Right. Yeah. You know, but now they're expendables. They're the ones that can't get the job done. Yeah. I mean, I felt like a lot of it was weak. I felt like a lot of the storytelling was weak and surprised the, the hell out of me because it's James Gunn. Well, and that, yeah, I think that's because I was like, this is Gunn, man. This is James yeah. Gunn. And he has the freedom to play in a sandbox that he's not being held back. And like with, with Marvel, right? Yeah. Like, because there's all these stipulations and all these things. And, and it's a, it's not a bad thing. I'm not yeah. saying that it's a bad thing. But like, so here he is in DC getting to 
to play with new characters and getting to kind of spread his wings a little more. Right. And um, it's disappointing. It, it is. And I think because I've seen so much hype about it yeah. and I personally was hyped about well, yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the movie posters and, and just all the, st- all the teaser stuff that they released. I'm like, man, this is going to be good. This has to be well, so from good. A, from a marketing and, standpoint, I felt like it was a far cry from the first one. Oh, and, no, I th- oh, and I was definitely. like, and so that, that made me excited for it. And the thing about it is from a dialogue standpoint, I felt like he nailed every single character in the movie. Yes. From a dialogue standpoint, from, yes. a, from a character interaction standpoint, yes. he nailed every single character. Yeah. And I don't even read the comics, so I don't even know. But, right, but no. He, but he, how they're presented, yep. I feel like he nailed every single one of them. But the story sucked. Yeah. The story was garbage. Yeah, it was, it was pretty weak. Yeah. It was, it was just, it, it was, was overall really weak. weak. Yeah. It wasn't entertaining because it just felt like there was just so much start and stop, start and stop within the actual storytelling of the characters. And I feel like there was no consistency. And then the fact that, you know, you had John Cena himself in here. John Cena! I'd knock that shit off if I was you. I felt like he played the character really, really well. Right. But then the way they used the character and the way they went forward with the story was just absolute horseshit. Yeah. I actually, because we bag on John Cena a lot, obviously. Uh, yeah. Um, and we will continue to do that. But, of course. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like, yeah, he actually did this character well, I think. Like, I don't know much about, you know, Peacemaker, but yeah. like. But like, you look at the, the interaction between him and uh, Bloodsport. Yeah. You know, there at the beginning, how they're both like doing the, the sharpshooter stuff in that little village and everything. Yeah, like, that yeah. whole interaction is, is great. It is. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's like this one-upsmanship. They're showing uh, showing off to each other, it, basically. It was not just action. It was fun. It, yeah. it, was, it was a fun scene. Yeah. yeah. But and, then you go later in the movie, and it's like... Everything leading into the final battle yeah. with this big-ass, stupid starfish. He's Punchbob! Yeah. Like, how everything leads up to that, and then the conflict between Peacemaker and Rick Flagg, which, again, like we said, spoilers on here. Why the hell would you kill Rick Flagg off? Yeah. Just for the sake of killing him off? Well, you know... And I, it, I understand what they were trying to do, but yeah. you didn't execute it well at all. Because yeah. John Cena, he's just not believable. There are certain things that he does that you believe in, but that, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, it wasn't believable enough that he would be the one to, to okay, I have to stop you from getting this out. Yeah. I, I will say, yeah, with them killing off Flag, I honestly, as I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm watching some of these people they're killing off, I'm going, okay, I bet he said I'm not doing any more of these movies. Well, like, it, it was one of those like I almost guarantee it had more of like, hey, we got to kill this guy off because he was a staple in the first one. Yeah, and we're not going to use him anymore. Yeah, because all I can think is like maybe in this maybe because when you told me there was a spoiler scene, I was like, or at the end, yeah, the end credit scene, I was like. Maybe he's actually still alive, and, and they're going to use him to well, create a, a hero. Well, here's the funny thing. <laughs> so the HBO Max app screwed up, wouldn't let me fast forward to see the final scene, the post credit right. scene. All right. So basically what it is is Viola Davis's character. She is, that shows her going into a hospital. And guess who's still alive? Really? Peacemaker. Really? Because... HBO Max is going to do a show with Peacemaker. James Gunn originally had killed Peacemaker in the movie, and then they came to him and said, hey, we're going to uh, do this series with Peacemaker, and so they had to film the post credit scene and add it in. 
Wow. Yeah. So again, so you talk again, about communication and, right. and all of that. Right. Wow. So take that into consideration. You have this character that has killed off a beloved character. I liked the Rick Flagg character. I thought right. he was a solid character because you got to have this guy who... He's not he's a giving, special yeah. person. He right. he's just a military person. Yeah. He is he's the one tasked with wrangling you, yeah. in all these guys. And he and you see the character development between like him and, right. and, and, yeah, and the, the Harley first Quinn. One, he hates them. He doesn't want anything to do right. with them, but he has to lead them. And this one he's like he's learned to appreciate right. them. Right. He knows that they're a bunch of misfits. Yeah. And he actually is taking joy in leading them. Yeah. And then yeah, you just up and kill him. You and, and you just you kill him. Which does nothing for the story going forward. For me, I'm like, if you need to kill him, kill him. That's fine. But yeah, like it just doesn't do well with the whole storytelling aspect. Yeah, it's a little, little off on it. It's like you picked Peacemaker, who is like one of the least like likable characters. Right. Like, and in, honestly, in the movie, looks, like what? looks the dumbest anyway. Yeah. But you you pick him to to saddle a future storytelling with. Yeah. And it's like. Come on, man. The takeaway that I had when I got finished watching and then finding out about that and all that, all the news behind that and everything, the takeaway that I had is just, here we go again, DC just not knowing what the hell they're doing. Yeah. And the fact that James Gunn is attached to that really upsets me. Well, it, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, <laughs> me me too. Because I, if there was someone that I thought that was going to take the reins of a DC project and actually it, steer it in the right direction, it was him. It was James Because Gunn. he's yeah. so passionate about it. Yes, I feel the same way. And honestly, I think that's why I, I, I had this conflict within me watching the film, because I'm like, I, I desperately want to love this movie. Right, because right. Because I, I like the Suicide Squad, I like the concept, I like yes. all of it. Harley Quinn, she was amazing. I was like, Stole the show this. again. Like, you know, and, and she did. She, Margot Robbie... Is a force to be she, reckoned she with. She really is. And, and she she's phenomenal in the role as Harley Quinn, especially. Yeah. She she nails it. It's smart, funny, crazy, all of it. She nails it to a T. We always talk about people who take roles and make it their own and basically put their stamp on it that no one else can touch. And she has done it. Yeah. There's. I better be careful saying this, but there will never be another Harley Quinn. I, um, I don't see it. But, you know, it, it's a, kind of the Joker effect in, in full effect again. Yeah, it right? really is. I mean, in a lot of ways, because it's like. You can't see anyone else playing that role. Yeah. You know, and I thought if they were going to kill anybody off, it might have been her only because, you know, I would assume she'd be like, hey, I'm kind of tired of doing doing just this role. Maybe not. But at the same point, she's never really killed off in the comics, I don't think. So uh, I, it wouldn't make I, sense from that. But And then, like, the guy with the polka dots, how they killed him off was so cheesy, so weak, so, so weak. Yeah. Yeah, because the whole like he was excited. I'm a superhero. I'm, I'm a, a superhero. Funk. The dead. moment, the moment he said that, you knew he was going to die. Well, yeah, I, 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 I chose, even said it. Yeah, I said he's going to get stepped on, and then boom, he got stepped on. I was like, yeah. okay. But the way they chose to kill him off was like, are you kidding me? It right was weak. Now? Yeah, it was weak. Yeah, I loved Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he played the role well. This mercenary style, smart ass guy who's seen it all, doesn't want to be a part of anything. You know, reluctant leader. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he handled that well. I thought it was a bit much the silliness with the whole rat thing, <laughs> playing up on his fears of that. I thought yeah. that was a bit much. Um, I do appreciate the fact that they did decide to actually tell the backstory on that, though. At well, least. I mean, if they yeah. hadn't, it'd been like, what? What is the point of this? <laughs> right. I don't know, man. I just. There were things that I really liked about it, but then the overallness of the story, I just, I couldn't, I, I, I just, it disappointed me. 
It just it let me down. Yeah, like it really, really let me down. Yeah, it. it I felt deflated. I think would be yeah, a good way to put it. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. deflated because you spent all this time with the hype train building yourself up, you know, and you're like, once you sit down to watch it, like, all right, here we go. Yeah, and then it starts. You're like, oh, really? Come on. You could have done something so much better. And I get it, like, from the standpoint of you don't want to do a prototypical thing. You don't want to do cookie cutter. I understand that. But at the same time, story be damned? Really? Yeah. So here's the thing. Because, you know, there's some movies where they'll they'll do they'll use an artistic choice to do transitions and stuff. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And overall, the way they chose to do the kind of transitions with these, like, at first I was like, what are you doing? But then there was the element of like, okay. I can appreciate it because this is a comic book movie. Right. So, like, it was more acceptable on that. And yeah. even the characters, like the polka dot man, all that stuff, it's kind of like, those are characters. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm okay to suspend yeah. any belief. I mean, this Which is a I comic thought, book world. At first, I thought his character was kind of silly, but then the more you see his character fleshed out... I liked his character. Yeah, yeah, especially once you hear his backstory. And yeah. Because at first you're like, what is the deal? Right. And then like with the whole weasel thing, like some of the stuff I was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like we've kind of started bagging on it right out of the jump, but like so, but there were good things. There were, there were things that I liked. What were things that you liked? You said there were some good stuff. The action was really good. Like individual performances of the characters were great. I think my problem overall is the story. It's yeah. just the overall story. Yeah. Individual performances of the characters were great. Idris Elba was really good as Bloodsport. Uh, I loved the Rick Flagg character. Of course, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Jesus Christ. Right. So great. Martial arts aspects of the film, the fight sequencing, choreography, great, which Richard Norton was the one who did that. I'm actually friends with him on Facebook, so that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> that he, cool. He's been posting pictures behind the scenes, working with Margot Robbie and everything, and yeah. it was kind of funny because I knew he was working, training them, but I didn't know he was doing fight choreography. And so he posted uh, a picture of him with Margot Robbie, and uh, he posted a picture of him with uh, Joel Kinnaman, who plays Rick Flagg. Yeah. And uh, John Cena. And I was like, oh, okay, I thought I saw a little bit of your influence in some of that fight choreography, especially the uh, with uh, Margot Robbie yeah. fighting in that hallway scene with the jail cells, yes. the different guards. Yes. The choreography on that, that is Richard Norton's blueprint yeah. all day long. Yeah. And so watching it, I was like, okay, I can appreciate that a lot. So. Yeah. Like, from an action standpoint, from a martial arts choreography standpoint, a dialogue standpoint, yeah. music, there's a lot to like about yeah. the movie, yeah. but the story itself is where I, ha I take issue with everything. Yeah. I really feel like they should have taken the approach of, like, I know it feels like I'm just, you know, hanging all over Marvel's jock on this, but I mean, it's Marvel. <sighs> Marvel has showed you how to do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. If you want to make something that everyone's going to like, just do it that way. Well, it's, it's, but if yeah. you want to do niche, that's fine. But just don't expect other people that are everyday moviegoers to enjoy it because right. they're not. Yeah. You know, I like story. I'm a type of person. I like to have a good story. And well, if you don't give me a good story, I'm not going to buy into it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much character development you have. It doesn't matter how much character interaction you have, how great it is, how great the dialogue is. You can put nice little window dressing on all of it. But if your story is garbage... I'm going to tune out yeah. and it's not going to be something I'm going to enjoy. Well, you know, I don't know if it's because of our, because we've been doing the podcast or if it's just maybe just me maturing and growing, but I, I've always liked action movies. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I, I enjoyed the first Suicide Squad. Like I said, it's not like 
my favorite movie by any means. It wasn't a horrible. Of, yeah, there, there are a lot of things that I, I wasn't a fan of. But I have contended that the first Suicide Squad movie would have been better if they cut all the Joker parts out of it. I agree. If they had left the Joker storyline out and just focused on the, the yeah. main story, it would have been great. It's, it's a solid yeah. movie. Yeah. I feel like, like you were saying with this one, the action, all of the action, like it's almost like they had all these different scenes that were really, really, really great dialogue, action, they were humorous at times. But then the thing that's supposed to be the glue that holds all of that together, that's the story. Well, it it was the the story is what holds all of those scenes together. And I feel like it was so weak that it was it was almost disjointed or jumbled in a lot of ways. Like, what am I watching right now? Honestly, I think it started with the fact that they chose the starfish to be their end goal for the story. Because if you take that as your ground zero starting point for building your story, like this is where we're going to end and you work your way backwards, you can see where it starts to fall apart Yeah, because it's hokey. Again, like I said, this was geared towards fanboys. This was all about nerding out. This is all this movie was. It's about let's nerd out on this. Yeah. So you start there and you work back. You can see where it starts to fall apart. Pick a viable villain. (laughs) It's all I'm saying. Right. Pick a viable villain for your story. That's one of those where, like, I get it. They're trying to stay true to the comic on that, but it's you can take all of those attributes and put them into a, a movie villain. Like, it's not necessarily in the comics, but take those attributes and, and attribute them to yep. something for, for a cinematic aspect. Of right. It. And I think that that really kind of pulled me out of it a lot. Again, I wanted to see more performances by a lot of these other new characters. Right. And... I get you're trying to kill them off early on, but like you literally our introduction to them is on a plane and then they're dead. So it's like, give me something. Give me a little something. Spend something. a couple, give me, give me a couple more minutes yep. with these characters to where I can begin to like them before you just like start killing them off. You know? Well, the Michael Rooker character, he was like a main focus of a lot of the advertising. Well, he was, and he literally opening shot. Yes. You see him and, and you're like, oh, this guy's a badass. And then you kill him right off the bat. And then it's like. You know, I've never heard of the guy. I mean, if you're a comic book fan, you have. Yeah. But it's like... I don't know anything about him at all. Yeah. I didn't know anything about any of the other guys. The only thing I knew about the Javelin, which, I mean, his Javelin, it plays into the... Which... Towards the end of the film, but it doesn't mean anything to Joe Blow on the street. It's right. just a freaking tool yeah. that he gave her. But the only thing I knew about him was it's a played by a guy named Flula Borg. He's like a comic. Yeah. And I've seen his work on some other stuff, but I mean... Which, I, I, I mean, I do, I, th- I think anything with Harley Quinn in it, she she's just funny. Like, right. she brings a, a humor element to that. Like, especially that scene where it's all very serious and then she just starts slapping him. It's like, wait, what are you, <laughs> yeah. get to who, to who, you know? And I, I will say the one thing I did like was especially the the whole sequence uh, where they were going to go, right before they were going to go rescue Harley. And she's like hanging from the chain there. Yeah. You know, I get like the artistic thing with the flowers in the background, all that stuff. I, I didn't have an issue with that. But that whole entire sequence was probably one of my favorite sequences in the Oh, yeah, when she film. breaks free. and then, yeah. yeah. And it's just her kicking ass. What I appreciated about it and what I liked about it was, like you said, the artistic choices with some of the cinematography with the flowers and everything like that. It didn't detract from the scene. On surface, something that you would think would be just something silly that you added into the movie. But because of the character and because of the way it's played, because of the way the whole entire scene works... You can overlook something like that because it doesn't detract from the overall scene. Right. And it actually plays into that character. Correct. Yeah. But when you start adding a bunch of extra shit, 
I mean, I yeah. don't know, man. Like, yeah. the, and the best thing about that scene is how it's bookended at the end whenever she's just outside with this freaking javelin. It's like, <laughs> right. what are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah oh, we're like actually coming the, to save you. And, she's you know. getting in the taxi with yeah. it. We had a really good plan and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can go back in. That's <laughs> patronizing. <laughs> there are bright spots in the film. Right. But yeah. then you overshadow it with fanboy nerdiness that yeah. it just doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. You know, and I'm sure there are probably fanboys that have watched the movie and that could be listening to the show and they're probably disagreeing. And that's fine. I get it. But we're talking about a general audience going to watch this, how they're going to view it. We're not talking about someone who's hardcore into the comic and understands all that. I don't know, man. It's just I feel like by sticking to just a fanboy point of view, they really did a disservice to the story overall. I agree. And I think even for the potential for the franchise, even. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, there, I think there's a lot of people like, hey, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give them a second chance. Yeah. Because you have James freaking Gunn on it. Right. Um, it's got to be better, right? Right. And, and then you go and you're like, what? Yeah, I think just James Gunn having his name attached to it, a lot of people were, like you said, going to give it like a second chance. And then, I don't know, for someone like me, just John Q. moviegoer, it's going to be hard to kind of overlook some of the glaring problems with the story, you know. But I loved individual performances. Yeah. That, and that's, what, that's what's crazy about it. It's like, I just wish the story would have been more intact because overall performance, even freaking John Cena. John Cena! What I said to you for the better part of the movie, yeah. I, it was he was entertaining, right? But then I just I didn't feel like what they did with his character at the end just made sense. Yeah. I didn't feel like any of it made sense. Even Sylvester Stallone's character, great, I thought he's a great character. <laughs> he was. It, you were talking about dialogue and stuff earlier. Like they, he nailed the characters, right? He nailed the characters, right? Um, with their their personalities, the just everything, dialogue, all of that. Uh, the music. One thing James Gunn is is really good at doing, and we saw that with Guardians of the Galaxy, is his music, music choices. Yeah. It's part of telling the story. I wasn't disappointed with, no, with the music. No, I the thought music, the soundtrack was great. Oh, mu- the soundtrack on it is freaking phenomenal. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> this is going to be one of those weird examples of a movie where everything about the movie is great except for the story. <laughs> It's true. It's it's, it's true. true. The, the 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 cohesive part, right? Yes. The, the, the one thing yeah. that pulls everything together yeah. was garbage. Yeah. Everything else about the movie, cinematography, soundtrack, the actors, the overall character performances, yeah, a lot of interaction, dialogue. So much about this film is great, but the one thing that you needed to focus on the most was the worst part of the damn film. Yeah. The story. Yeah. The story. Yeah. Yeah. The freaking story. The I, one thing that you're responsible for taking care of. The story. I think I'm just la- I'm kind of chuckling and laughing about it because it's like we're talking about James Gunn here. I know. I know. <laughs> and that's the thing that that's drives me like, insane. Oh, it hurts me to even speak negatively of it because I I, I like James Gunn. But here's I the like thing. What he's now, done. And this is an interesting thought that I just had just now. It's like, okay. We're judging based off of what we've seen James Gunn do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with right. the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, how much of that is conformity to the Marvel machine? Right. And keeping those stories in check instead of just going wild, wild west with the story. Yeah. Because that's clearly what happened with the Suicide Squad. Yeah. He clearly was given free reign to do whatever the hell he wanted to do, and this is what he did. And it's like, okay, that's not good. Yeah. So how much of it is like you need to have 
the huge creative outlet, but then you also need to have Big Brother over your shoulder reining you in. That's I always, think it's a two-way street. Yeah, I agree. I mean, since we've been doing this podcast, when we talk about Marvel versus DC, our biggest complaint about DC isn't even the characters as much as it is the lack of cohesive storytelling right. within the quote-unquote universe. Yeah. And I think it's even communicated, and this seems really cheap. It's a cheap shot, but I'm going to say it anyway. Bring it on. It... it it's communicated in the opening title sequence of DC, right? So with Marvel, you get the Marvel, the comic book pages yeah. turning all of that. With DC, you can tell they're trying to mimic a sort of style, which is fine. But like even in that, even that presentation just seems hokey, cheesy, and kind of displaced. Yeah. And that... Marvel has spent years now developing this thing to where when you see the opening sequence, that title sequence, you're just like, let's do this. Yes. DC can't capture that necessarily. No, they can't. And, and they don't need to necessarily try to, but the fact that even just your title sequence already leaves me going, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, you already have put me in a place. You've got me to the theater because yep. of your promotion and everything is your marketing was phenomenal. And the fact that James Gunn's attached to it, but the moment that you see the DC thing, it's just right. kind of like, oh, yes. shit. Like, the immediately, that was my thought. I was like, oh, shit. Prime example of a film that's not DC or Marvel capturing you with just the title sequence, Mortal Kombat 2021. Yeah. Remember when New Line Cinema released that film, and you go and you watch it, and there's that beginning shot of the New Line Cinema logo, and it freezes over freezes, with the yes. Sub-Zero. It's yep. like, okay. Yep. I know what I'm in for. Yeah. Just just in that moment. Yeah. And like I said, it it seems like a little nitpick thing to talk about. But you're but talking about an overall movie experience. Right. And it, it tells you right there that, okay, the people that are handling, the big wigs that are handling yes. these uh, characters and this product, they're driven more by something besides wanting to put out good product. Right. <laughs> and it goes back to the thing that we've always said. If you put something good out there, the money will follow. Yeah. It always does. Don't go into a project wondering where am I going to get my investment back? Yeah. Go into a project because you're passionate about it and you understand what you're doing. But if you don't understand what you're doing, you're just trying to make a buck, you will fail every single time. And to me, I feel like they failed on this. Yeah. Sure, they're going to make money off this. Why? Because it's superhero, it's a comic book, it's DC, it's James Gunn, whatever reason you want to throw out there, they're going to make their money on it because of just that. But how much more money would you have made down the road with something that people were really excited about? Right. Like, I know for me personally, if they put a third one out, I'm not going to go see it. It would, ha it would have to be I, so damn compelling for me to go watch it. So compelling. I, I said that about the first one, that I won't ever watch another. And then they, they hooked me with James Gunn. Well, see, uh, now, now that, shame on... That's, know, a, whole, that's a novelty, though, yeah. Jim. That's a novelty right. advertising thing but, there. And, and it is. And they got me. And I, I will say that, yeah, I have no really desire to watch anymore. I, I still love him. I still think he's great. I'm not going to knock him on this movie. Yeah. Because like you said, I think it's the fact that he had too much rope. I think so. You know, I, I think really if they do. would have given him a little more of a parameter and said, hey, we want you to run with these, but here's where we want you to stay. The only way I'm going to watch another Suicide Squad movie after this one is if Marvel buys DC and then they make it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's the only way that I will watch another Suicide Squad movie. Well, we are talking about Disney here. So <laughs> anything's possible. <laughs>